would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 23. I'd like to read with you in Proverbs chapter 23, the first. Uh, 25 verses, and we will actually be looking at verses 15 through 17. And I know you guys have the ESV in the in the fuse, but I'm used to the New King James, so I'll I will read it in uh, in the New King or either in the ESV version that you have in your pews. But I wanted to have both of them <laughs> visible to me. Uh, Interestingly, this is the last sermon I preached at Northland Reformed Church. Uh, we had a confirmation class uh, that was just finishing up, and so I originally preached this message to confirmants that I had taken through uh, catechism and cate- uh, uh, various confirmation classes and so on. So, a little bit double duty, I suppose, but it's, it's all good stuff. Let's read the Word of God, Proverbs chapter 23. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich, because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, he says to you. But in his heart, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove the ancient landmark nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty, and He will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. My son, beginning of our text. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. 
Listen to your father who begot you. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. And let her who bore you rejoice. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Scriptures are very intentional about the responsibilities of parents with respect to their children. Uh, We'll look at a few passages in the course of this message, but uh, the the example today uh, that we have is the confirmation of Noel uh, Johnson. Why do we do what we do? Well, we have a long and storied history. Uh, In fact, you go back to the earliest days of the Christian church, and believers and churches were composed of parents and children. I I mentioned to some of them, I recently was, um, uh, they, they excavated some early church in Palestine. And right in the middle of the church was this baptismal font uh, where you would dip water or a cup and, and, and pour. So from the earliest days, these things were so. But what I hope to show you this morning uh, through our study of this verse or this passage in Proverbs chapter 23 is that this practice is entirely consistent with the instructions of Scripture. Children of believers are taught and trained by their parents and uh, by the officers, elders of the church to help them understand what are the basics of the faith. How they are to understand what is right and good and true. And their instruction is not only information. There's a lot of information in the catechism, right? Noel and those others of you that have gone through, there's lots of questions. But it's not just information. It's it's also learning how to live and what to do. How to respond in various situations. And so in a way, the, the whole task of ministry, both for our youth, for our adults, for all of you in between, is to learn wisdom. Is to understand what is right and well pleasing to God. So as we look at these verses, we will see first uh, that the goal of covenantal instruction and worship is that each of our children might live a life of wisdom. We will look first at the hope of a life of wisdom. Secondly, the evidence of a life of wisdom. Thirdly, the lesson of a life of wisdom. And then fourthly, the perspective of a life of wisdom. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, even I myself. I've not added up how many paragraphs in the book of Proverbs has that phrase, my son, but I would be surprised if it's not 20 or 30 times. And and what that really is indicating, not just the boys and not the girls, it's a broader term indicating those of you who are young. Um, In in fact, the 
The, the role of scriptures. Uh, last Sunday was Mother's Day. That's right, wasn't it? Two Sundays ago. Last Sunday, um, I, I read the law on, on Mother's Day from Leviticus chapter 19. Kind of hold yourself, your, your finger there in Proverbs, but, but look with me at, at Leviticus chapter 19. Uh, the whole chapter is entitled Moral and Ceremonial Law. So when I read it, I'll read about two-thirds of the chapter and skip over the parts that are the more ceremonial part. But just listen to the first, the first three verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses. So this is direct God, Moses, us, right? Revelation. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and tell them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then the point of my little illustration here. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord. Think about the fifth commandment. Honor your... The other way, though, Honor your father and your mother. Which we would expect in a patriarchal ancient society, right? But here in Leviticus, you are correct in the order. Let every one of you revere his mother and his father. I would venture to say this is one of the strongest witnesses and testimonies to uh, the, 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 the corresponding duties and responsibilities of fathers and mothers uh, in the raising of their children. You might also take note, next time you read uh, in Second Chronicles, where the kings of Judah are emphasized, almost always their mothers are also mentioned. So all, all to say, all to say that when we read here, my son, we're not giving the girls a pass. Right? It, it includes us all uh, in terms of that which we will hear. And that, of course, is, is very covenantal uh, in the instruction that God has given. Verse, verse 15 again, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Who's, whose heart? My heart is your dad. My heart is your mom. My heart is my, as your grandma, as your grandfather, as your uncles and my heart will rejoice, even I myself. And of course, the, the, the way it's worded there, my son, if your heart is wrong. Well, is that an option? Is that a possibility? That we don't care? how our children are raised, how we are going to act, certainly that would fall short of the intent, would fall short of the desire. And of course, it is exactly that, isn't it? It's an indication of the fact that we have a responsibility to hear and to heed God's voice. A couple of years ago, I did a Sunday school series on scary verses in the Bible. And I think some of the scariest are found right here in the book of Proverbs. Just read chapter 1 this afternoon, verses 18 and following. Uh, basically, wisdom, the Holy Spirit says, 
because you wouldn't listen, because you didn't do what I say, when your day of calamity comes, I will laugh at you. I will not listen to you. That's scary. That's pretty scary stuff. You know, we, we, we think God is at our disposal. We can take Him when we want Him and ignore Him when we don't. Well, that may be your version of God. That's not the living and true God who, who knows the thoughts and intents of the heart, who, who knows what's going through your head right now. Psalm 139 says I, he, that God discerns our thoughts afar off. He knows the words that are, come out of our mouth before we speak them. We often want to bring God down to our level, but really what we need to do is to think about God in His glory, in His greatness, in, in His power and dominion. And of course, what do we see in verse 15? The covenantal love, the covenantal bond of parents for their children. Isn't it just that? That being the case, who has your best interest in? Who wants you to be successful? Who wants you to succeed? Avoiding the pitfalls, the troubles, and the trials of life more than your parents. I would say no one. Think about that when you're out with your friends and they're challenging you to do things that you know you ought not to do. In fact, one vivid memory comes to me. I was riding home with some guys from another town and I think it was somewhat of a regular thing for them. Uh, Two major highways, eastbound, westbound, northbound, southbound traffic. They just put the pedal to the metal and flew through the intersection at 80 miles an hour. I told myself that. It's the last time. Didn't have to end. Nothing happened. But when you do stupid things, when you listen to stupid people, guess what happens? Those things can happen. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Train, train your children. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign. Let the horse the blinders on so they only see it. Have only the word and the truth before you, and that will lead you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And what? The Lord will bless you and keep you and direct your life and your path in the way that you should go. And of course, the passage here is just full of this. If your Bibles are open, look at verse 19. Hear, my son, and be wise. Guide your heart in the way. Verse 26, or verse 23. 22. Listen to your father who begot you. Do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. For your hearing, your embracing, your holding fast to the Word of God will not only be good for you 
and it will be, without question, will also be make your parents and grandparents glad. Secondly, the evidence of a life of wisdom. Verse 15, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart shall rejoice. Indeed, I myself. Verse 16, Yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. What is it that makes the heart rejoice? When you speak the right answers. I mean, that's kind of what catechism is, right? You're asked questions and you know the right answers. Uh, and, and if you think about it, that's really what wisdom is. Uh, my, my, my working definition of, of wisdom is doing what's right when you're tempted to do wrong. And so the answer to the question, are you a wise man, woman, son, daughter, boy or girl? Well, it just depends. On what? On whether you do what's right when you're tempted to do wrong. And, and if, if that's not you, then you are not yet who you should be. Right? Because what do we want to be? We want to be wise men and women. We want to be wise parents, wise children, doing those things that are pleasing in God's sight. And, and of course, if you're speaking right words, where do those words come from? Well, from your head, I suppose, but for now we're going to say they're from your heart. From, out of the overflow of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Right? Think of um, Mark chapter 7, Matthew chapter 15. Uh, Jesus' disciples were eating food with unwashed hands. And the, the scribes and the Pharisees were saying, Oh, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? They'll be defiled. What does Jesus say? says, this people worships me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, teaching us commandments, the doctrines of men. And then Jesus proceeds to say, what enters a man isn't what defiles a man. What comes into a man isn't what defiles a man. What comes out of a man is what defiles a man. That's where... Uh, unrighteous thoughts and desires and actions arise. And, and I would venture to say that that is the unregenerate heart. Right? Have not been born again. Have not been made alive. And if that's true for the unregenerate heart, what do you suppose is going to come out of a regenerate heart? Words that are right and true. Actions that are befitting for the saints. Uh, what does God expect from you? Well, He certainly doesn't expect you to turn away from Him, to ignore what He His will is. No, He, he expects us to hear that. Now, the example I give, and I sometimes say the wrong person, but you just bear with me. Uh, I think it's King Richard, or it could be King Arthur. So yeah, anyway, the Knights of the Round Table, that guy. Uh, His knights swear fealty to the king, right? The earthly king. We pledge our lives, our wealth, 
our, our, our castles, our, our, our properties to you. That we will uphold the standards of knighthood or whatever we want to say. So if that's what an earthly king expects and receives, what do you suppose a heavenly king would expect and be pleased with? Half-heartedness? Lukewarmness? What does Jesus say about lukewarmness in Revelation chapter 3 or 4? Because you are lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You should be red hot in our earnest devotion toward God, toward His church, toward His kingdom. And of course, our hearts will speak right things when we are those who hear and believe and understand and seek after those things which are of God. Third point, the lesson of a life of wisdom is verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. Don't be envious of sinners, of, of, of those who are wicked. See, the book of Proverbs is not idealist. It doesn't paint or portray reality as something that it's not. The, the, the book of Proverbs is realistic. Why, why are we told not to envy? Because it's pretty easy to envy that nice new truck your neighbor has or the big house that uh, your friend just bought or whatever, right? It's pretty easy to covet or to envy what isn't yours. And so the, the author of Proverbs says, don't do that. Don't be envious of the wicked. Why? Well, we read earlier that that will all vanish away. Riches for the moment, riches for the now, will come and go. There's one right path. Right? Enter by the narrow gate. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. For wide is the gate and easy is the path that leads to destruction and there are many who find it. For narrow is the gate, difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. There's a thousand wrong paths. Detours, dead ends, pitfalls. And, and what makes it even worse is there is a way that seems right to a man. It's actually found in two places. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, where does it lead? To death. So we need to use the guide marks, the landmarks of God's Word uh, to redirect us to... Uh, embolden us, to encourage us, to strengthen us in our resolve and our zeal and our commitment to the Gospel. There's a reason why Jesus taught us to pray the sixth petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Catechism explains that since our sworn enemies, 
the devil, the world, and our old flesh cease not to attack us. Help us, O Lord, to be mindful. Help us, O Lord, to see and to understand. I would suggest to you that the root of most sin, even going back to the Garden of Eden, the fall, the, 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 the root problem, uh, the, the, the root conviction is the belief that there's a better way than God's word. What, 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 what captured Eve's imagination? Did God really say you should not eat of the tree, any of the trees of the garden? Well, we may eat of all the trees, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We should not even touch it. What does Satan say? Ah, but God knows that on the day that you eat of it, you'll become like Him. Knowing both good and evil. See the Lord? It's a distrust of God. In fact, our lives in this grand composition of confusion. There is a right way. There is good and, and trueness. And that path will lead us where we want and need to go. So what we, we need is to really believe the Word of God. To make it our purpose. In fact, one of the membership vows uh, was that we would endeavor to, to honor God with our life. With our actions. All the days of our life. My little spin on this, if you will, is do you believe in God enough to do what He says? It's real easy to say, I believe in God. Or I believe in Jesus. But you know what? The degree to which you do will show in the course of your life. In There's a long time ago, there was a radio preacher, Woodrow Kroll, back to the Bible. He's from Lincoln, right? Uh, he had a motto. For of what value is a good day, anybody finish it? If it's not also a godly day. And so I thought, what, if I was going to be a radio preacher, what would my motto be? And I think it would be that question. Do you believe in God enough to do what He says? We, we, we entrust Him, allegedly, with our eternal, the eternal welfare of our souls. Right? When we trust in the Gospel and pray to Him. But then if we don't really trust Him with our morality, with how we're going to talk, how we're going to act, that's inconsistent, isn't it? If the lesser to the greater, the greater to the lesser. I mean, if you trust him with with, with the way important stuff, the the eternal welfare of your soul, then you should also trust him for the lesser things. Right? Am I going to sleep with my girlfriend before I get married? Well, that's a good question, of which you should have a firm resolve, or vice versa, my boyfriend. From your perspective, right? Well, if we know what's right, then we know what we must do. 
and, and, and God's blessing rests upon those who will hear, upon those who will heed. Well, the, the last point is the perspective of a life of wisdom, and that's verse 18. For surely there is a hereafter. Surely there is a hereafter, and your hope shall not be cut off. That answers the question, is it worth it? Is doing what God says sufficient? Well, let's back up a little bit. What what does the fool believe? Right? Proverbs 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And because the fool, all fools, if you find someone who doesn't believe in God, bingo, they're a fool. They don't yet know what they ought to know. And, and you know, if you, those of you that will be off to college and hearing professors one day telling you how foolish it is to believe the Bible is literally true, well, you just learned something about your professor, didn't you? He's a foolish man. So take what he says with a grain of salt. Recognize that his perspective is limited and, and, and he actually is blinded by the sin of this world. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I think it's verse 5, the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers lest they would see, lest they would know and turn to God. And so it is. The fool says, let's eat and drink and be merry. Let's just have fun. Woohoo! Let's just have fun. Well, that's not a permanent solution, is it? Because we were not put on the planet to just have fun. We were put on the planet to give glory to God. You know, we have the children's catechism, right? Who made you? God. What else did God make? All things. Why did God make you and all things? For His glory. How do you glorify God? By loving Him and doing what He says. Trust and obey. And so, the perspective of a life of wisdom is exactly contrary to what the world says. It's undoubtable. It's unquestionable. That which we are taught in the Word. Listen to verses 17 and 18 together. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your life will not, your hope will not be cut off. In other words, this is saying to you, young person, middle-aged person, or older than that, you can take God at His Word. You can trust all that He says to be right and good and true. The believer's hope will endure forever. It will not be cut off. So who wants to live a long, healthy, and happy life on earth? Every hand goes up. And, and who wants that happiness and joy which we have uh, through God and His grace unto eternity. Again. 
our hands go up. The scriptures are clear. Our task as God's people are to be those who hear, who believe, and follow after. As we conclude, when we witness a confirmation class or a profession of faith vow, like we heard this morning, I think it's important to realize that we're not just talking about that person. It's it's not, you know, uh, it's not just the entry. Um, it's not what we do to become part of the church and then it stops. That's the profession that we make and then we continue to make that profession for the rest of our lives. We continue believing the Bible. We continue believing... Uh, oh, I lost <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the three forms, it's, it's the doctrines of the church, Right? That's the truth. That's what we need to know. That's what we learn. And, and it's not just for the kids. You know, it, it, it's for us as adults. And, and as we age, as we mature, we ought to be more confident and more secure in, in what we know. And I think sometimes we as adults need to be reminded that the fight is worth it. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold fast to the words of promise. God will bless you and He will bless His people, especially when they hear, when they humble themselves before Him and seek His face. Because you see, the goal of covenant instruction and worship is not just for young people, that they might live lives of wisdom, but that we might all live lives of wisdom, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him. Might the Lord be pleased to help us do that now and always. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank You that we can sometimes read passages of Scripture and, and have this witness to our hearts that these words are true. We're directed to buy wisdom to buy the truth and not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Oh Lord, might it be so that we own it, that we endeavor to live it now and always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.